Thank you, Amy and team. Since his presence here is so real this morning, don't you sense him? I, I know I do. Um, who's, a, who's a stadium hound? Who, who's somebody that goes from city to city to, to experience different baseball stadiums? Anybody in here that, that, that does that, that, that likes to go to old parks? Uh, I know at one point I was at Comiskey Park, the old Comiskey, and, and my ticket was behind a big post. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've done Yankee Stadium and, you know, do, oh, the old Tiger Stadium. Terry wasn't impressed when we went to the old Tiger Stadium, but uh, I was impressed to be in the same place that Ty Cobb had played. And, you know, Riverfront was is, is now no longer there. So I, I always like the old stadiums. They're always interesting. The stadiums they're building today are pretty unbelievable. Go ahead and show. This is Cowboy Stadium. Cowboy Stadium is one of the most expensive stadiums ever, one of the most expensive buildings ever. It, it, it was nearly $2 billion to build. And you see the big screen and all the amenities and, and, this, and this huge building. I mean, it was just a, a lot of cost. I, I think the Rams Stadium is going to be close to $2.5 billion. And uh, so, so there's a lot of money they can go into a building, into a stadium, into this kind of project. And, and even these stadiums are not the most expensive buildings that you'll see. I, if you get on Wikipedia, which is my, um, my fount of information, who does Wikipedia? Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia says that the, the most expensive building in the world is a building in Mecca uh, that is worth 15, or it would cost $15 billion, billion dollars uh, to build. Uh, I'm not introducing the next building campaign at uh, Marysville Church of the Nazarene, just if you're getting worried. But you see these huge buildings, and you, you see the cost that's associated with these buildings, but it's a fraction of what it would cost to build Solomon's temple in our day. Um, go ahead and you can flash that next. That's a replica of Solomon's temple. It, it said that Solomon's temple had $8 million Eight million pounds of gold. <laughs> uh, think about that. It, it took more than 76 million pounds of silver. And it, just the cost of the gold and the silver would have been close to or more than 220 billion dollars to accumulate. And on top of that, you have the, 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 the timber, and you have the brass, and you have all the labor and all the things that were involved in the building of Solomon's temple, and it would have cost at least $500 billion to build Solomon's temple in today's culture. Think about it. You could build 250 cowboy stadiums before you could build Solomon's temple. It took him 20 years, 20 years, almost as long as a Marysville street project <laughs> to build Solomon's temple. And it lasted for 400 years. And it didn't deteriorate and just fade. It had to be destroyed. Think about that just for a moment, how great Solomon's temple was. And yet in 2 Chronicles 6.18, when wise Solomon dedicates the temple, he says this, But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? 
Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I've built. This $500 billion temple was not sufficient, could not contain, could not do justice to the glory of God. That the prophets understood that. Jeremiah writes in 23, 23 through 24, Am I a God who's near, declares the Lord, Am I, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? King David understood it. He said, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, where are there? you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. The awesomeness of our God. There is no structure. There is no building. There, there is no way that we could build something that could demonstrate how awesome our God is, how holy He is, how righteous He is, how significant He is. Just let that sink in for just a moment. The awesomeness of God. So awesome that a $500 billion temple doesn't do him justice. And then listen to what John says in John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, crying out, cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we've all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. The Word became flesh. And the word here is that the Greek word that John uses is logos. And this logos word has significance to both Greeks and Jews. The reader of this letter, whether they were Greek or Jew, would have understood the significance 
of this word logos. Logos to the Greeks represented rational thought or represented reason. And, and, and reason or rational thought was, was what was behind creation. All creation flowed from this sense of reasonableness, this sense of reason from rational thought. To, to the Jews, they understood this logos to mean God. God was the force behind creation. All creation came into being through God. And so both the Greeks and the Jews would have understood the significance of logos, the word. And John is saying Jesus is the word. Jesus is logos. Jesus is this rational force. Jesus is what is reasonable. All of creation flows from Jesus. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is God. That's how he begins his letter. That's how he begins his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Logos was God. Jesus was God. Jesus was fully God. You know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very essential thing for us to believe. Jesus was fully God, he was fully human, and he was fully God. In Colossians, Paul writes, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. <laughs> that is Jesus. That is Logos. That is the Word. That is the Son. And Solomon's temple, as grand as it was, anybody live in a house that Zillow says is worth $500 billion? <laughs> as grand as the temple was, it could not contain or show the true glory of God. Yet in Jesus, God was wrapped in human flesh. Actually, the word, when it says the word became flesh, that the word that's at the center there is, is the word tabernacle, that he tabernacled among men. And, and so we go back to a word before temple. Before there's this grand temple, when, when Moses is, is leading the people, the, the tabernacle was this tent that they would build, they would they would put together, and they would move it with the people. In other words, wherever the people found themselves, the tabernacle would be present. Better yet, maybe a better way to say it is, wherever the temple or the tabernacle was, the people would go. Jesus wrapped himself in flesh and lived with human beings. <laughs> this blows my mind. He, he wrapped himself in the flesh of a baby and made himself dependent on a Jewish carpenter and his teenage wife. With not a lot of assets, not a lot of money, he made himself, he allowed himself to be wrapped in the flesh of a baby and was brought up in a simple home. He worked with his dad in the carpenter shop 
He, he cared for his family. He cared for Mary. He dealt, hear this, he dealt with family and people. <laughs> Who likes to deal with family and people, right? You know, the world would be a great place to live if it wasn't for all the people, right? Jesus wrapped himself in flesh and dealt with human beings. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He lived like you and me. As a matter of fact, I, I think for the, the, the greatest part of Jesus' life, when Jesus walked down the street, they didn't say, there goes the Son of God. They said, there goes the Son of Joseph, the carpenter. He's a good boy. Cares for his family. He's a good worker. He's good in his community. He was seen as an ordinary person. Here's the twist. Our God is so great that he cannot be contained in a building. Yet our God can be wrapped in flesh and walk among us. <laughs> this is significant. God wrapped in flesh can show His glory. A building, no matter how grand, cannot show the essence of God. It can only be expressed in flesh. See, the essence of God is love. And love can only be expressed person to person as wrapped in flesh. It's impossible it's impossible for a building to exhibit the moral character of God, the essence of God, the love of God. It's our call. See, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus was greater than the angels. He was greater than the prophets. That the greatest revelation God ever made of himself was Jesus Christ. Jesus shows us who God is. And it's our call this morning. A building cannot express God, but God can be wrapped in flesh. Now, I don't believe this is a one-time, first-century event only in the life of Jesus. I believe that God wants to be wrapped in our flesh. That, that, that he wants us to show this love and to show the essence of who he is. The, the Ten Commandments. How many Ten Commandments are there? There's nine, okay. There's ten Ten Commandments, right? You guys are sharp. I'm not going to slip anything by you today. In the Ten Commandments, there's that one of the commandments is, Thou shalt make no graven image of God. Right? Don't make an idol. Nobody's got a graven image of God in their home, right? It's banned. We can't make an image of God. And yet in the Genesis account, what we read is that God created mankind. He created humankind in His image. And I think the reality is God doesn't want a graven image, but He wants us to be the image of God. He wants us full of His Spirit to show who He is and how He loves we are meant to be the image of God, full of the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says that when Jesus died on the cross, 
The veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Anybody ever read that before? <laughs> that significant passage. And in that tearing of the veil, what's going on is God is saying, not that he ever could be, but he wants to emphasize, I will not be contained in a temple. I will not be contained behind a curtain. That my dwelling place will be with people and in people. We're meant to be filled with his spirit. We're a holiness people, right? We're a holiness church, right? The essence of holiness is this ideal that God wants to fill us with his presence and, and the Holy Spirit to, to so animate our lives that our Christian vocation just naturally flows because the Spirit is living in us and through us. We are not, hear this, we are not fully God, but we can be full of God. Amen. Truth is, and I know you guys, you won't believe this, I'm flawed. I, I, I have flaws. Uh, I, I, I mess up. Um, sometimes I'm plain stupid. If you don't think so, just talk to Terry, okay? Uh, I, I'm flawed, but I can still be full of the Spirit of God. We got an escapee. He almost made it. I can still be full of God. The scripture says we are to have the mind of Christ. Jesus says we are to be holy like God is holy. Some translations say we are to be perfect like God is perfect. We are created to love like Jesus. And it's not for our glory, but it's for his glory. The question of this series is not simply how does God see us, Instead, the question becomes, are you willing to allow God to wrap himself in your flesh and love people like Jesus did? I was at um, April's funeral last week, and it was, uh, those of you who were there, her, her Uncle Roy's back there, and, and I, Amy, who leads worship, is her niece, and and it was a great funeral, wasn't it, Roy? I tell you, the Spirit of God was there. And, and I, April had this tremendous testimony. And uh, I know Jean and Carol are desperately going to miss her and Terry and Emma and many people that loved her, but we know where she is. Uh, April wasn't afraid to go. <laughs> she was ready to go. And, and, and I think with April, I think she had really seen Jesus. <laughs> and once she had seen Jesus, she was ready to be in His presence. This series, and really for the next few weeks and few months, we're going to be looking at Jesus. <laughs> we're going to look how Jesus loved people. And we're going to ask ourselves the question, am I loving people like Jesus loved people? Next few weeks, we'll look at how Jesus fed the multitudes, fed the 5,000. We'll look at Jesus and Zacchaeus. We'll look at Jesus and Lazarus. We'll look at Jesus, and you ever read the story in one point of Scripture, Jesus is in a boat, and they land this boat, and there's a naked demon-possessed crazy man there. <laughs> I'm going to call that, you know what I'm going to call that sermon? Drop me off where the naked crazy man is, right? <laughs> See, Jesus was not intimidated 
by people to the extent that he couldn't minister to him. He wasn't shy, but he had dived right into messy humanity. In fact, when, when I thought about this series, we, we, we call it In the Flesh. I wanted to call it In the Flesh, Into the Mess. Because Jesus was willing to step into the mess of humanity. And we, his people, are called to do the same. So we're going to look at Jesus over the next few weeks. And then we're going to look at the the manger scene. And and then beginning in January, we're going to start looking at Matthew 3, 4, and 5. And end at Easter, uh, finishing up the Beatitudes. I'm excited about the next few weeks as we we dive into Jesus. it's why we're here, right? You know, it's, it's what it means to be Christian, that, that, that this Jesus is the center of our faith. And, you know, there, there's nothing, and I'm not discounting the rest of the Bible, but folks, I got to tell you, I have become infatuated. I have become enthralled with Jesus over the last year. Um, you know, I, I, I probably read through Matthew 3, through, I think, it, the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount ends on chapter 7. I think I've read probably Matthew 3 through 7, I can't tell you how many times over the last several weeks. Part of it's prep, preparation because we're going to be preaching from it, and part of it just, I just can't get enough of the words of Jesus. Um, I'd encourage you. I, I think I challenged you when we talked about immersing in Jesus and the gospel challenging, challenge one chapter in the gospels a day. You get through the Gospels four times in a year. Uh, and, you know, I've probably been through the Gospels. Well, I know I've been through the Gospels at least eight times already this year. And i got to tell you, I, I can't get enough of it. Jesus, Jesus centers our faith. And, and i got to tell you, there's, there's times in my faith when nothing else makes sense but Jesus. You know, when I come to the end of my reason, when I come into the end of my ability to rationalize or explain, I always come back to the same place, but Jesus. <laughs> Jesus centers our faith. Now, there's some practical ways that you can be involved. Angel Tree Ministries, that's a, a Christmas ministry that we give gifts to children whose parents are incarcerated. I, we're going to do that again this year, and I encourage you to be part of that. Um, Christy did that, and then she went to St. Paris, and then the other person that was doing it is no longer able to do it, and so I'll be heading that up. I'll need your help. Uh, you know, we need to make sure uh, that we honor our commitment there. This week, Revive Ohio is going to meet with uh, people in our community. Revive Ohio is a, an evangelistic um, outreach a program that's been going throughout Ohio and different states. I've talked to several Nazarene pastors who have been participated in that, and they say it's been outstanding and it revolutionized their church. And so we, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of, of people finding relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Revive Ohio, there's a pastor's meeting, which I'll be at at Hope Center tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And then Tuesday night, all of you are invited to the Hope Center at 7 p.m. for a meeting of Revive Ohio just to find out what it's about. There's no commitments. You, you don't have to sign anything. If it's not for you, just, just don't participate. But Revive Ohio is meeting at the Hope Center at 7 on Tuesday night. And I'd love it if you would join me as, as we just talk about how we could reach our community. And then Fall Fun Fest. Uh, Emily's back there. Why don't you stand and let them see you, Emily? 
Emily organized our serve day, and uh, now she, her and Pastor Kim will be working on the Fall Fun Fest on October 27th from 11 to 2, and they need your help. And so if you can participate in any way, uh, see Emily, and there'll be sign-ups going out. Is there sign-ups out there now? It's been on the email. And so you can sign up online. If you don't have email capabilities, uh, see Emily, see myself, see Stephanie, and we'll make sure that we get you signed up for the family fun fest. And that's 11 to 2 on October 27th. Um, one final thing. My, my mom is um, 85 years old, and she still sings at her... Uh, where, where they live, there's, there's no Nazarene church, and so uh, they, they had to settle for a Methodist church. Uh, Todd, sorry. By their lifelong Nazarenes, you know, my family, I tell you what, not to be in a Nazarene church is kind of like the, the unpardonable sin for them, they, they feel like at times. But, so they're in a Methodist church. They actually, they love the little church. It's a small church, and, and they actually, um, mom and dad rent the house the church owns. It's in town. It's convenient for them. My mom plays the organ for them when, when she's able to get there, and she still sings. So she's 85 years old, and she still sings. And she sings pretty well, really, if I'm I'm biased. But she sang this song, and I've heard her sing it my entire life. And it's one of those songs, you know, I can hear her singing it when I read it, so I get a little emotional. It's an old song, and I don't know if, I looked it up online, it had it, I don't know if it's a Gaither song, or the Gaithers just sang it. But the the verses go like this, From the dust of the earth my God created man. His breath made being a living soul. And God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and that is why I love him so. My hands were made to help my neighbor. My eyes were made to read God's word. My feet were made to walk in his footsteps. My body is the temple of the Lord. And then the refrain goes like this. I was made in his likeness, created in his image, for I was born to serve the Lord. And I cannot deny him. I always walk beside him, for I was born to serve the Lord. <laughs> you know, as I'm reading that now, you know the realization that didn't hit me till I was just reading it right now. You know who could have sang that song? Jesus could have sang that song. <laughs> uh, that that is a Jesus hymn, and I think it's our song too. You were born. I was born to serve the Lord. Well, we're going to close in prayer, but I, I do have to make a, a sad announcement uh, before we do, and many of you have already heard, but Pastor Kim has resigned to become the children's pastor at Sydney First Church of the Nazarene. Of the Nazarene. Kim's been here six years, and she feels a release from her ministry here. She's done an outstanding job, and we love her and wish her nothing but the best as she moves forward uh, to Sydney First Church of the Nazarene. By the way, Sydney First Church of the Nazarene, their pastor, that church participated in Revive Ohio. I was just talking to him about it at a meeting not too long ago. Uh, but but we'll, her last Sunday will be October 28th. We'll have a reception here October 28th at 5 p.m. in the gym. I'd encourage you to come out and just let her know how much you love her and support her. Uh, we're praying for her. We're praying that God will bless her ministry at Sydney First of the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, you know, I, I trust her. I trust her discernment that God has said this is a place for her. And if that means God is calling her there, that means God has something else in mind for us as a body of believers too. And so you need to be prayerful for your church. You need to be prayerful for your um, 
your children's department and those who are leading. Uh, Kim has done a good job of accumulating a lot of leaders. We have a lot of very strong leaders. And they'll be asked to bear a little bit more of a burden when Pastor Kim is gone. And some of you have already been approached about how you can participate. Uh, but be praying about that as your board sorts through what our next steps are. Uh, we're not going to um, do anything with any sense of urgency, right? You guys understand that? I think urgency in these kind of situations is a mistake. And so we're going to take our time and allow God to speak and be patient. And, uh, and we believe God is going to do something in our midst as well. So um, you're, if your kids are in there, they heard today from Pastor Kim, so you might be prepared uh, as you leave to kind of talk about what that means and, uh, and, and, and pray with them and, and, and assure them uh, that God has not forsaken them, okay? Uh, share your kids that uh, God is in this, and if God is in this, then everything will be okay. Pastor Bobby, come pray. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes we're taken by surprise, but you never are. And we believe that you're going to bless Kim and her ministry there in Sydney. And you're going to bless us because that's what you do. That's who you are. And we pray for all who will be shouldering new responsibilities during this time and may the transition uh, be smooth and uh, you already know who's coming. We don't. But we're going to wait for your timing because you're going to do it right. So we're going to trust you. Father, we, uh, we lift Jean and Carol and Terry and Emma and the family to you as they're in the process of grief and adjustment. But how happy we are for April her first Sunday in your presence unfettered by flesh to see you face to face oh what a day and Father you know everything there is to know about us you know what we need to ask for even when we don't you know how to interpret the groanings of our hearts when we can't find words to express how we feel. What a mighty God you are. Father, there are there are those needs that have been presented to you that we know you're working on. And so we just pray, Lord, keep accomplishing your will in whatever way you see fit because that's what we want. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Your will to be done. That in regard to family relationships and to unsaved loved ones, to employment, to illness,
we just thank you for being a good father, for loving us as we are, but not being satisfied to leave us there, but to guide us and direct us and allow things to come into our lives through which you can work to make us more like you, to give us better opportunity to share with those with whom we come in contact just what a mighty God you are. So as we leave this sanctuary, this holy place where we meet with you, with our families, we're going to go out as the church extended. Help us to be effective. Help us to let our light shine so that they'll see what you are doing and give you the glory. So dismiss us and bless us not just to be blessed, but so that we can be a blessing. Through the holy name of Jesus, your son, we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.